You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. I want to start with this. Many years ago, my wife put to bed in Abuja here, and my boss called me. He made a statement, and he said, I.K., God really loves you. You know? He said, I.K., God really loves you. I mean, we had our son, and then we waited for about four years plus, you know, and had um, So she was a prayer point that we were praying to God, and God answered. So he made that statement, and, you know, my wife and I, we laughed about it, and we thought about it. And it's never really gone out of me. Say, I.K., God really loves you. Okay, he has um, a son. He has just one son. So, and I think it, it went this way. When he said, what did your wife have? And I said, he's a girl. So you can imagine. Father, mother, boy, girl. Balance. Eh? End of discussion. Nothing to add again. Praise the Lord. Except you come from the zone where they're looking for 12 and 13. But, I mean, this one is, you're not looking, I think that's what he was trying to say. God didn't give you two boys and then you're missing a girl or all of that. So he said, God really loves you, okay? And then also a few years back also, one of uh, my wife's clients, an expatriate, I think somebody was ministering to him, trying to witness Jesus. And the man said, he said, listen, that he knows what is going on now. That God is wooing him now. God is toasting him now. Because he knows he's, he's enjoying a lot of blessings now. And that he wants to enjoy it fully. So he can't come to God now. Let God continue to... Uh, because he, he was thinking, I don't know, but from his argument, if he agrees now, how many married women are here? How many remember the days of wooing? And remember after agreement. In the days of wooing, you used to eat whatever you felt like eating. When you agree, what do you eat? You eat what you cook. <laughs> so the man said no, that he knows God is winning him now. So he doesn't want to say yes to God. You know, let God continue winning him because that stage is very enjoyable. He wants to enjoy it fully. Praise God. Okay, so from those two um, backgrounds or, you know, scenarios, I want us to consider something or I want to ask you a question. I want to ask, what is the most definite, cogent expression of God's love to a person or people. Like the man that said, I.K., God really loves you. How can you tell a man or a people that God really loves? Praise the Lord. I'm sure you've said that of some people, right? Say, God really loves this guy. When you say that, because I know we've said that, haven't we all? When you say that, what comes to your mind? What is it that you think of that makes you say it? Anybody? Sir? What do you see around the person? Like my boss said, I mean, balance. Not just two boys, but, you know, one for the mother, one for the father. Sorry? The favor of God, you know? The guy has money. 
He doesn't have problems, yes. Sorry? You're able to stand strong in spite of the trials you go through, yes? I mean, let's... Success over success over success, yes? Good health. Praise God. Yes? Sorry? Uncommon grace, yes? Protection. God protects you. Beautiful. Yes, sir? The journey God has taken you through. Praise God. We've all done well. Let's clap for ourselves. I mean, there are se several of them. What about a good wife? The Bible says a good wife is what? The inheritance of the Lord. The Lord is the one that gives a good wife. Okay, say riches and possessions, the father can give you, but a good wife. So all of that, you know. So does it mean now, I'm going somewhere, does it mean now that if we don't have some of these things that we are raised, does it mean that we are in the boys' quarters of God? We are not in the main house. Okay, so how then do we defend what we've said? God really loves you. Help me turn to your neighbor and tell the person, God really loves you. And mean it like my boss meant it. God really does what? Loves you. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're looking at this because if you've been in life, been through life for a while, you would have seen things that happen and you're wondering, like the disciples, who sinned? Who sinned? We talked about good health. What about someone, you know, that comes in and um, some affliction, maybe sickle cell or something, he's visiting hospital all the time, one thing after the other. Does that person now immediately be taken out of the list? Praise the Lord. Or do you look at the person and say, God really loves you because you're a sickle? Can you say that? Do you look at the family, you know, like this is boy and girl now, maybe... They are having children, but theirs is, you know, number one girl, number two girl, number three, four, five, six, seven, seven girl. Are we saying to such a person now, God doesn't love you? You see, we are still, we are not. Okay, this morning I want us, that's why I want us to engage in this. And please, at any point, you can ask a question. First of all, I want to let us know that the love of God, you know, is deep. You can't really... You can't really, you can't safely from the outside tell who God loves. That's on one side. But on the other side, I can tell you that God really loves everyone he created. That's, I mean, that's on the human side. But on the divine side, God loves everyone. God really loves everyone he created. So if you met every person on the street and told the person with sincerity, not religiously, Brother, God really loves you. You won't be missing it. The Bible tells us, for God did what? So loved how many? Those who had boy and girl. God so loved the world. The world. He loved the whole world. And he still loves the whole world. He loves the Muslims. He loves the Christians. He loves everybody. Okay? He does love everybody. Okay, that's on the side, but that's not the angle because if we say that, you say, hey, I don't understand that. But the one I'm talking of, the really, really one. Isn't it? You know, God has blessed me indeed. You know, there is that one. Ah, God has blessed me now. God has... Then there's the one of God has blessed me indeed. In which case, the person now wants you to be able to do what? To also bring evidence. Praise the Lord. So on one side, we see all of that. 
But on the other side, we can say safely that the love of God cannot really be measured in any of those things that we've highlighted. It's deep. You know, when the Bible says the length and the breadth uh, in the Ephesians 4 writing, the depth, the length, the breadth, the height of God's love, which is past understanding. It simply means past understanding. It simply means it's beyond understanding. It takes spiritual depth. And that is what I want us to get this morning. Amen? So that you can know of a certainty. Praise the Lord. Not based on happenstance. Not based on events. Not based on circumstances. Not based on the things, you know, the fortune of life. You can know that God really loves you in spite of what happens around you. Praise the Lord. And I want to start with one or two illustrations in the Bible. You know, often we have looked at Adam and Eve, and I don't know what we think they lost. I don't know what we think happened to them when they, unquote, fell out of God's favor or love. What do you think happened? Did Adam lose his wife? Did Eve lose the husband? Did they lose the earth? I mean, in a sense, everything was still there. If you turn to Genesis 3, what happened there was that they said, this man now is going to be a danger to himself if he lives forever in this state. Genesis 3, 22 from 22. So they said, let us keep him away from the tree of life so that he will not continue in this state of enmity towards God forever and that's how come there could be redemption God did not take away you know I used to think that the emphasis had been that man began to tell the ground not necessarily because they were just taken away from the garden and what was the beautiful thing about the garden was not so much the flowers and the roses and the hibiscus it was the presence of God there and that was what God began to warn man. If you eat this thing, you will lose my presence. So the first answer we begin to get to that question is this. One proof of God's love of a man is his what? Presence. His presence. The presence of God. And it's very simple to understand. God owns the whole world, isn't it? But God is a person, remember. God is a person. And he's in love with us, with each and every one of us. If God owns the whole world, when we're taught economics, the principle of economics is the principle of scarcity. You know that's what economics is based on. It's the principle that resources are not enough. They have to be managed. Now, the truth is this. God does not practice economics. Do you understand what I'm saying? From the side of God, nothing is limited. Nothing is limited. Oh, for someone, he's thinking, no, 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 no. Nothing is limited before God. That's why he could say to Abraham, he said, your descendants will be as what? The sand on the seashore and as what? The stars in the heaven. Now, you can understand sand being what? Uncountable noun. How many of us remember English? Sand is uncountable noun. I can understand it. Salt is uncountable. Even our rice is uncountable. But I don't understand stars, this sun being uncountable. Can you imagine, we see sun and moon, two of them, and then they're telling us it's uncountable. Billions and billions and billions. You know why? Before God, small is nothing, big is nothing. He's God. Are you beginning to get what I'm saying? So to God, God doesn't practice economics. So it's not as if if now I take my one million and give Momichi, I'm sure. God says, 
He said to David, David, what is it you want? I will give you. I mean, I will give you and then keep giving you. He says, I will anoint you until it does what? It overflows. That's what he's saying. So giving from God's side is nothing. And that's why he blesses both the wicked and the just. It's, I mean, you know, people make big deal about people, you know, receiving things from this side. No, it's not a big deal. That's why, you know, we'll be here praying, you know, praying for someone for the fruit of the womb. And the mad woman is taking in for somebody that we may be on the television, you know, and bringing for twins. Recently, I saw a case about, I think, a 12-year-old that was raped. She didn't know she was pregnant, only for her stomach to start growing. And then, you know, she was heavy with twins. You see, we rejoice when those things happen for us. But we cannot narrow God's love down to it happening. There are prostitutes that have aborted up to 10, and the thing is still entering. So if that is God's love, then it must be that God is really, you know, specially in love with such person. No, these are his, this is his creation. These are things he's put in the system. And they're wrong. Are you with me? So when Adam and Eve, what he said, what they did was take them away so that they, number one, they, my presence I've taken away. That was the one you surely die. And then number two was let them not in this their state come and stay in it permanently. Are you getting it? Let them go to a place where they can be redeemable. Are you with me? That's why they were taken away. And then if you notice, they said uh, a cherubim was put with what? A sword to protect what? What was it to protect? Is it the beautiful things of the garden? It was the tree of life. It was what they couldn't touch. Okay? So if we want to add another answer to that, we can say that the love of God will give you life. It will give you life. In that case, people of God, a lot of the names on the list of Forbes, don't envy them. Rather, what you should do is what? Pray for them so that they can receive life. But that's not where we're going. We're still going forward. I'll give you another one. I need the Holy Spirit to help us because this is not a sermon per se. It's, you know, we're looking and considering these things. And there are particular answers I want us to get. We look at another one. I actually have a particular one that we can study in more details, but I thought this one's on the surface. We look at Saul. Saul was a man, a man that you can say he was divinely blessed. I mean, you know the type of friends you have in school, and even if you're not naturally envious, sometimes you ask God questions. Soccer, they play well. Table tennis, they play well. Geometry, they know better than you. History, even history. So it's not as if they are science and in earth, they don't know that. History, they know well. You know, uh, science, they know well. Come to babes, they pass you. Come to beats, they can beat you. How about? The Ibos have a saying that if you're taller than me, can you be? This person is taller and shorter than every angle. His parents has money. And you just wonder. That was what Saul was. The Bible says it was a head and shoulders taller than everybody. And he was a nice person. You know, he was a nice person. And God chose him to be king. Praise the Lord. So you can say really that does what? God loves him. And he must have been the first son, you know, 
Because there was no contention maybe from his brethren and all of that. And then you look at David. David, does God love David? We all know David as the one that God loves, isn't it? But let's look at his life. Last of eight sons, despised by his brothers, forgotten by his father when the lottery was won by his family. Imagine if someone comes to your house and says, somebody in this house won lottery, and the person counts four people and forgets you. That shows the value David had in the family. In fact, when his brother was talking to him in the battlefront, he said, have you left those few little sheep? So this thing we are calling him shepherd, he might be, have been keeping four. He said, have you left those, not the mud, you know, have you left those few little? <laughs> Do you understand? That was David. Okay. But in your mind now, you feel God loves David, isn't it? But if you were in their time, who would you, you know, say God really loves? You would say so. But let's even leave that. Let's get to where they got, you know, in contact with God. And if you see 1 Samuel 16, you can open to it, please. 1 Samuel 16, 13 and 14. You see what happened there. He said, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David when? From that day. From what? That day forward. And look at the next line. 11 says what? But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. That same moment. Okay? Now, after that day, if you were studying their lives, who would you say had the anointing? How could it be David? Where was David living in? David was in the wilderness. At least, at least 15 years from this time, he was running. He was a, he was a refugee, acting as a madman to keep his head on his shoulder. But Saul was still controlling the budget. Saul was still in the palace. One year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, ten years. He was still there. He was still there. And people would say, long live the king. And all the rebels, they should be killed. And David was a rebel. But Saul had been what? Forsaken by the Lord. David had been chosen. If we looked at them, we would say, David has been what? Rejected. Saul had been chosen. But can I tell you something? Saul was in the palace without the presence of God. David was in the wilderness with the presence of God. God's love to me is not measured by where I am. It's not measured by what I have. It's measured by his presence in me. Until the church gets what God's blessing is. I was talking about God being in love with us and he's the owner of the world. If a billionaire who was normal, who really loved you, met you, you know what he would want to give you most? A mansion. What? He would want to give you himself. And when the person doesn't want the billionaire himself, you know what the billionaire will conclude? You don't love me. You want my... And he's seen thousands of people... Who wants his? If everybody he sees wants his money, 
So you become one of them. But he says, it is I. I want to give you myself. I want to use one that the Bible used the words that we are using today. So we can get it and then I'll just start by the Holy Spirit, start breaking it down for me. The Bible says in Romans 9.13, Romans 9.13, Jacob, I have loved. Praise God. Jacob, I have loved. And Esau, I have what? Even though, I mean, this hated here doesn't mean God wanted evil for him. It meant in comparison. It meant like I've chosen Jacob above. Yes. But the Bible says here, Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hated. Many of us know the story of Jacob and Esau, isn't it? We know that Jacob stole Esau's blessing, isn't it? And we know that the father blessed him. And we know that he had to run away. Praise God. And we know all of that. But do you also know that Esau was as blessed in every sense as Jacob? In fact, when Jacob, after his encounter with God, was meeting Esau and has sent the gifts and the gifts and the gifts. Let's look at it. I think that's Genesis 33 verse 9. And has sent the gifts and the gifts. When Esau saw the gifts, it's like you taking a gift, a Mercedes car gift to the owner of Benz. Esau said to Jacob, what do you mean by all these things? He says what? I have enough, bro. He said, bro, if it's things, I have enough. Keep them for yourself. You know why? Because Esau, whom, unquote, we can say God hated, had what? He had the blessings. He was blessed as much as Jacob was. Genesis 36, you see something there again. In verse 7, if you read the whole day, when you have time, you can go and read it. In verse 7, the Bible talking about Esau and Jacob again. says something about both of them. It says Esau and Jacob, their possessions, they had been so blessed, both of them, both the loved and the hated. Are you with me? That their possession was too great for them to dwell in a place. I pray that you need to move out where you are because God's blessing is too much. It says this is it. It said the land was not enough. Their cattle was having hold up. Are you getting it? And this is how many of them? Both of them, if you go back, this is Esau and Jacob. But Esau was hated. Now, and I want you to see hate in the sight of God. What it means. Jacob, from the moment he was blessed by his father, ran away, ran to Laban, isn't it? What did he do in Laban's house? He started serving. He served the first seven years. They did him 419. He had to serve the second one to get the wife he wanted. And he had to serve another seven to get capital to start his business. And he was there in distress. He said, in night and day, I slept in the fields. I made sure that none of the flocks was taken by wild animals. If any was taken, I will... that's a blessed man. Esau, you know Esau didn't go through that. Everything Isaac had just went into Esau's hands. Esau was CEO. Jacob was office assistant. Jacob was loved. Esau was hated. I want you to see something. This was how their life continued. And the Bible says in verse 31, the same 36 place, 31. Let's go there. You see something there. Now I'm talking about their generations. Their generation. The Bible says 
Now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom. The land of Edom is Esau's land. In the land of Edom, before what? Any king reigned over the children of Israel. You can say Edom got her independence. Edom became a first world country. You see, while Israel was still like Nigeria. The people of Israel used to queue to take visa to go to Edom. And they'll be refusing them. It says, kings, not a king, reigned in the land. They became a country, a people, established before. Yet, this is the hated man. And the other one is what? The loved man. I don't know where you are. But I want you to recalibrate your measurement of God's work in your life. Are you with me? Now, something interesting there is this. As we see all of this, there's one other one. Let, let's look at that. Deuteronomy 2 now. Let's look at that and then we'll move. Deuteronomy 2, when the children of Israel were now leaving Egypt, you know, to go to the promised land. 4 and 5, God says to them, as you make this your journey, make sure you do not attack Edom. Remember, this is the hated man. Don't attack them. Don't fight them. Okay? Go on 5. Let's see 5. Do not meddle with them, for I will not what? Give you any of their land. No, not so much as what? One footstep. Because I've given Mount Seir to what? Esau as a possession. I want you to see something. That somebody is enjoying things does not mean divine interest. It is divine goodness. And goodness of God is to everybody. Do you know that God provides food for the ants in your house? That's why you've not eliminated the cockroaches. When a cockroach dies, it is Christmas for the ants. And it's God that says, these ants haven't eaten. One cockroach, raid won't kill it. It will just die on its own. And be, you, know, you know how they do. There's some there are no cockroaches in your house, right? It will just be upside down kicking and then the ants will come. It's God that is making sure all of them feed. So if God feeds the ants, why are you agitated when God feeds the wicked around you? Or why do you say God is in, really loves? Mm -mm, he's God. It's someone with him. But look at what happens there now. If you go further down to verse 12, verse 12, it says, Esau, the Horites formerly dwelt in Seba, but the descendants of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them before them and dwelt in their place. Now look at the key word. Just as what? Israel did to the land of their possession with the Lord. So God also gave Esau a land just like he gave Jacob. And yet, one is hated, one is loved. So, the question you should ask me, ask me, how then do I read God's love, special love for Jacob? Should I tell you? Esau was never disciplined by God. Jacob was continually under the discipline of God. I want you to put scripture to scripture today. He whom the Lord loves, he chastened. He whom the Lord loves. But he never comes to our mind spiritually. It is he who is enjoying free pass. Do you know there are a few places you don't pay tax from? In prison. If you enter prison now, you won't pay rent. No tax. Even clothing is on government. He whom the Lord... So when God says, I love Jacob, he's saying, my eyes on you. I will discipline you. I will discipline you. So God in his love relationship with Abraham said to him, Abraham, you know I love you. He said, your descendants will be slaves. What kind of love is that? In a foreign land. For what? 
400 years. You love me, and you're sending my descendants to be slaves. Esau was never in slavery. His descendants were never slaves. He was given possession. He was given. You know why? God had not determined to make his name known through Esau. God had said to Jacob, I will make you a special possession to me. And in you and by you, through you, all the families of the earth will know me. That is love. So, does God love me? Has he chosen me? When he chooses me, that is his love. Whether he's chosen me and I'm limping, it doesn't matter. It's his interest in me, not the environment. God can bless anybody. It's not a big deal. God can get you married at 21, have you have all your children by 27, be a grandmother by uh, whatever. It doesn't mean, mm -mm. go to the Arab world, all those things are happening there. The richest country in, in the world now, I mean, not uh, overall, is Saudi Arabia. And you can see what they're doing, killing and chopping and breaking people's heads and cutting them in pieces. Do you understand what I'm saying? The things you and I are thinking is God, it's not it. When a man and a woman should know a people that God loves, is when God is close on them. David said, you're not even allowing me space. Even Job said, they said, allow me to turn now. Well, do, you allow, do you allow your wife to turn? If this person stands up and goes, and you don't see her for one week, will you be worried? Will you call and say, where have you been? If your wife stands up and goes, and two hours, if not say, honey, honey, you will go from the honey of honey, just this one is H-O-N-E. Where, where, where have you been? The offense is that she is yours you love her so you don't allow her space when god loves you he doesn't allow you space he didn't allow jacob space he kept him under why another thing i hope someone is helping me to note the answer to this question why because love has a plan love has a plan the unbeliever who goes to um, zone 6? Is it zone 4 in Abuja? Zone 4. You people are just too much. How did you even know what I was talking about? <laughs> the people, the unbeliever who goes to zone 4 eh, carries out the same act, possibly even gives more money to the people in zone 4. But the person in his house, he may not give as much money. But he will have a plan for her. Love of God involves a plan. It's not an action. It's not a one-off. Ah, the person hit. He's now a billionaire. He say, ah, brother, we thank God that God has blessed you. Blessed him what? What's God's plan for his life? What is God saying he wants to do with you and through you? That was what he did. He saw just increased as population. They were saying there are now one million. They're now 2 million, they're now 10 million, they're now 50 million. Uh -huh. But Jacob, the lineage of Christ was being traced through him. The redemption, you and I being here, was placed in him. So God was saying, Jacob, you can't turn this way. It's not in the plan. Jacob wants to, he said, no, you have to be delayed here because there's a plan. So he begins to say, if I love you, I will have a plan. And he says to himself, he said, I know the thoughts. 
that I think towards you. Why will he say not of evil? Somebody help me. Why will he say not of evil? You know why? Many times he will look like he's evil. God, I know you have plans for me, but this type of plan, I don't like it again. <laughs> Bring another type. If I expect, I don't have plan for me. <laughs> what kind of plan? So that's why he says not of evil. Because it will look like evil. The other day we looked at the scripture. It says, if any of you ask a son for bread, will he give him stone? He's saying that because many times when we ask for bread, what we get will look like stone. So the question in that thing is, will you give your son stone? No. So if I give you something that looks like stone, look beyond it. So God, God's love, people of God, my brothers and sisters, let's not measure it with the things that come to our lives. Let us look at what God's plan is. And still going back to Jacob, Jacob was going through his life, going through his life until he had a limp after the wrestle with God. And he became dislocated. But what happened at the moment of dislocation was when what happened? His name was changed. So you think, do you want God? Why are you harming me or hurting me or whatever? What? He wants to bring you to a place of dependence. I don't know about you, but I don't want my wife to be independent of me. You know, every time we meet at uh, Made in Heaven, people will say, how you cook? My wife doesn't even want me to boil water. She wants the day she doesn't cook for me. If I annoy her, she doesn't cook. Let hunger wire me. <laughs> she will make everything. If, if I just go to even take from the pot, she'll say, go, go, go. I say, allow me now. Let me be like this other man that can cook or, you know. She doesn't want that. The same way for me. There's something, if she fixes her car, she, will, she has looked for my trouble. Because concerning her car, she has to depend the day. She wants to annoy me and God. I will lose something in the car. She'll just move back and the car will stop. Eh? What, how, why should he know who to call? It should be me that she'll call there and say, hey, how may I help you? You see, love designs situations of dependence. God said to Jacob, you can't just be walking like that. You must be leaning on me. Every step you take, you remember me. That's why Paul the Apostle, when he was giving all the revelations, heaven said, what do we do with this man? He can go and start a sect. That's the problem with some people. Anointing with no humility and meekness. They just call their people, say they are God. I can't walk on the ground now. Everybody lie down. They start. They start stepping on me. They said of Paul, they said a messenger of Satan was given to, to buffet him. Why? So that he will not be exalted beyond measure and so that what will happen he will come to God and the Bible records for him, and he came to God though, and he beseeched God God ah. we don't know what was wrong with Paul but whatever was wrong with him he had healed it God had used him to heal it in other people but when he came to Paul he said those people you healed my plan for them was hallelujah the Lord has healed me you my plan for you is that we will be like this you will keep leaning on me so he said, my grace is sufficient. What means you can't stand, Abby? He said, I know you can't stand. But my shoulder is there for you to stand on. And then Paul got the lesson. Paul no longer wanted to stand alone. He said, I beg. I will boast in you. That's what he did. He said, none I've learned. He said, I'd rather do what? Boast in my infirmities. That's the power of God. That is what the believer must get to. 
Where you understand that the trouble, the pain, the situation I'm going through is not punishment. It's divine interest in me. And he just wants me to cling to him more. You see, all this uh, cinema religion they try to teach us, all the troubles wiped away. Read the Bible. God is in love with you. And he wants you. We've said it here and it may have sounded like an off statement. Anything that will make a man draw close to God is a blessing. Anything that will take a man and a people and make them feel independent of God is not from him. And you can tell that. There are some moments in your life, everything is just moving on well. There is no time difficult to pray like that. Because what are you praying for? I got a Midas touch. Everything I touch is moving. You know, even when you hear them share their testimonies, you can see them. They are mentioning God, though. But that's for your ears. Inside of them, they know that. Emiaki, I, I done it. How does a man, how do a people know that God loves? His presence is there. He has a plan. He constrains you. He constrains you. The only dog they don't let run out of the compound is the dog that they have space for in the house. The bingo. The cookie that is running around. He can sleep in Wuse today. Next week he's sleeping in Karimu. He has liberty. But Ajebo dog, if he crosses, I think in the US they have this electronic fence that sends signals. You won't see a physical fence. But if the dog tries to spread out, it sends some shock to the body of the dog and you go, why? Why are they restraining the dog? Is it to punish it? It's because there's enough love, enough care in the house. Tell yourself, he got me covered. He got me covered. What comes to you and I, oftentimes, is divine interest. He's saying, I have a plan. I want to do something. I've chosen you. Let me show you a scripture in the New Testament because I was saying, ah, all this thing that, okay, we've read Romans 9. I said, Lord, please show me something in the New Testament that will back up this thing I'm going to be sharing with my, with my brothers. And he said, look at Mark 3. Look at Jesus' commissioning of his ministry. See what he said. Mark 3 verse 13. Mark 3 13. We'll read 13, 14, and 15. The Bible says, And he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those he wanted. And they came to... You see, you know the Bible, the best English writers wrote this Bible. He went up on the mountain, called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to... How many pronouns? are there describing who, who is the central statement in that thing? Christ, he, himself, him. It, it, do you think they didn't know what to do? He went up to the mountain, called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Four. Look at the second line. Then he appointed the twelve. That what will happen? That they might, that they might. This is what he called them for. You would have thought that if Jesus appointed 12, it would be that they will be the, this, the biggest. No. He said he called them that side by side with him, they will be. And then from there will proceed all the other things. Why? Because from the beginning, that's what God made Adam and Eve for. That I might be with them. And in restoration of times and things, that's what God is still looking for. A people that will be with him. 
From there, I will send you to preach. From there, I'll send you to heal. From there, I'll send you to be a businessman. From there, I'll send you into the government. From there, I'll send you to do all kinds of things for me. But the thing I want you for is to be with me because anything I'm sending you to, don't forget I can with a word get it done. So the hunger of God is a people who can be able to receive his love. And many times, brothers and sisters, God has to empty our vessels so that his love can come in. Many times we are too full to have his love. So some things will happen and he's watching. It's not punishment. It's not being forsaken. It's so that there can be room in your story for God to fill in. Someone, you, you've done all you can and your finances, nothing. But I want you to take a second and look back. Do you see yourself depending on the Lord? all through that then can i tell you the devil will never take you through anything that will allow you to cling to god if he knows he will not who he hates is you with god if the devil knows that making you a billionaire tomorrow will make you backslide he will do it we put too much value on what the devil doesn't put value on i've told you the story and i'll tell you here for someone i got married as an unbeliever so it means I was, I was not saved, so I was, you know, I was around. Praise the Lord. So when I got married, a friend told me, you know, he wasn't born again also. But I've told you about this friend. He doesn't look in any way like what a girl would say yes to. But he told me, Ike, now that you're married, that was one of the best advice I got. Now that you're married, listen, all the girls that said no to you before, they will not only say yes, they'll be throwing themselves on you. I didn't understand what he was saying until after I got married. You see, when you're not married and you're chasing it, when you catch, you win, isn't it? And you're bigger. But when you're married, it's no longer chasing and catching. It's called adultery. It will be a seed that will affect you forever. So when there is a fall to fall, the devil will push you. When you say, nah, baby, the, the girl will hello, baby. The devil will help you Ike, come on, come on. Because he's looking for your fall. You know, some people, they move around and they attribute. You, you should be afraid of some things that happen. Every time, you know, the, the Bible says, Jesus, not even just the Bible. Jesus says, what do you when all men speak good of you? He said, for so they spoke of all the false prophets. It's not, yeah, everybody likes me. Go and check the Bible and see who everybody likes. Are you getting what I'm saying? God is in love with somebody here. Do you understand? And all the things that have been happening in your life is that God wants to create room so he can come in and be with you. He wants to create avenue so you can know him. Our Lord Jesus said, this is eternal life that you may would know him, the only truth, that you may experience him. If that were not so, people of God, you call every believer, you see someone, what's the problem? He has this, he has this. And you're wondering, but this is not difficult for God. Yes, it's not difficult, but his love covers it. His interest for your life covers it. And the earlier you understand that, and that's what I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing to you. When you understand what the game is, you neutralize the pain. It's no longer painful. Because you now get the game. The game is that God wants me. So I'm not going to God. Oh Lord, why? Oh Lord, why? No. You, see, you neutralize it. You neutralize it because it's not hatred. It is interest. It is interest. 
And many unmarried people, they miss this point. God is saying, I want you, I want your time, I want your time. And your business say, give me a man, give me a man, give me a woman. And God is saying, I'm going to give you a man. But please, can I, can I have a lot of you now? Can I have you, you know, just taking care of me now? And then the sister that they quickly eliminate from the club. You're saying, God, you're angry with God. God, you bless Susie. I know Susie. She's a gossiper. She's a this. She's a... And he's saying, look at this one I have loved. This one I have hated. And you're using the one I hated to talk to me. Because we don't understand love. The gift of God is his presence. The gift of God. I'll just refer to it briefly. You know, I want us to just please the Holy Spirit to help us to be sensitive. God is doing something in your lives. I'm telling you, God, because as this was coming, you know, last Sunday we looked at Exodus 34. And Exodus 34, 6 says, the Lord introduced himself. He said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, abounding in goodness, long-suffering, forgiving iniquity and all of that. And this Sunday, you know what God gave me, but we'll do it on Wednesday. Exodus 33, he said, tell them the background. And you know what the background was as I tried to round up, please? Is that the background in 33, you know what happened? God said to Moses, Moses, you and the people of Israel, you go, the promise I made to Abraham, I'll keep it. I'll drive out the Perizzites, the Hizzites. You go and take the land. Everything I've told you will still happen. Go. But me, I won't go with you. That was the beginning of Moses' prayer. When he said, Lord, if your presence will not go, I'm not going anywhere. Let's bow our eyes as we go to the Lord in prayer. This morning I've come to say to you, sister, if the presence of God is not taken from you, nothing good has been taken from you. I say to you, brother, if the presence of God is not taken from you, then know that his best is given to you. Every other thing God can give without giving his presence. But can I tell you, God can never give his presence without a plan. Today, Esau has been assimilated. Maybe his descendants are the Syrians or somewhere but up to today we know and we call ourselves the seed of Jacob isn't it we are still tracing our lives spiritual lives back to Jacob but Esau in all his prosperity has disappeared into thin air why because where the presence of God is there is life eternal this morning I want you to go into the deepest recesses of your heart and value his presence and cultivate his presence tell him thank you tell him thank you and if you had in any way doubted God's love then remember how God loved Jacob it was a love of constraint it was a love of jealousy he said to us he says I am jealous he didn't pretend about it he said I want you for me I want you praising me. I want you praying to me. I want you not being able to take a step without me. I want you waking up in the middle of the night and having my name on your lips. I want you in the middle of the day. I want you stopping and saying, Lord, I need you. I want you. That's what he said. He said, tell them that this is my love. My love is not, I don't love you and send you far from me. I don't love you and let you run around. I love you and I bring you to myself. So ask him, Lord, I cease to struggle 
with the things that are bringing me to you rather i choose to use them today as an avenue of worship i worship you i now look beyond them to you like the apostle paul said i look beyond them to you i look beyond them to you i see your plan i see what you're doing i see what you're working out i see that there is a future that the song we sang on Wednesday says i have a living hope he said i have a future when god loves you there is a future there's a future everything you're going through is tended towards a future it's not a vapor he doesn't allow events just occur and then they go no everything that's why the bible says all things all things all things they work together for good i want you to see the goodness of the lord i want you to see him in that prayer that seemed as though it was not answered in that pain that you're going through in that embarrassing situation that you're wondering what do i do i want you to see that god wants to step in god wants to come in god wants to say yes i will own you remember his promises i will never leave you i will never forsake you i want you to go to him recover every lost man love him back love him back tell him lord i i, I repent of thinking that you, you you were not interested i repent of thinking that this was sign of disapproval i repent of imagining that i'd been forsaken you've been listening to a message by pastor ikina keke of the father's church we are sure you've been blessed we invite you to worship with us at eden center banex guarimpa expressway near next kashinkari abuja for telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404 you can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.